You're listening to audio from Shandon Baptist Church. If you'd like to check out more resources from us, please visit our website at shandon.org. If you don't already know me, my name is David Taylor. I'm the missions pastor, and tonight we're doing something a little bit different during the time where we normally have a pastor's Bible study. It is called Stories from the Field, and I want to kind of let you know why we're doing it and where it's coming from. One is that um, we know that God is at work in really special ways, Um, and we send our people um, around the world Uh, God does things that are really special in their lives, and we feel like the testimonies about how God is at work is really important to share, Um, and we want you to know those stories so that you can uh, personally, you know, be a part of it. But we also, on the other side of it, uh, have come back on so many mission trips, and I'd say if there's one consistent piece of feedback of maybe even frustration towards the, the mission's offices when are you going to tell about these trips? When are you going to report on these trips? And so we felt like, man, let's go ahead while it's the, the month where we're talking about uh, living sin, let's go ahead and give the mic to some of our own people and, and let them share about some of those stories. Um, also, I think uh, you need to also know Allison Caldwell, if you don't already know her. Um, Allison is on our missions staff here at Shandon. She's our mobilization director, and she is, there you go, Absolutely. She, she's behind the scenes working a lot on making sure that we have mission trips ready to go. And it just takes like one or two little things to do to make sure you process the flights and the visas and the immunizations and the applications and the child safety and all the, you know, she does all that. But she also is the one that's kind of working behind the scenes to try to push everything we can to get the word out about things and does a fantastic job. But she'll be on the stage tonight interviewing a couple of those. So with no further ado, uh, well, I one more little setup is uh, the way she organized the night is towards the, I love this, it's towards the mission statement, leveraging who we are and what we've been given for the sake of the gospel, wherever we are and wherever God takes us. So that'll be kind of like the, the format for the night. So with no further ado, I'll turn it over to Alice, Allison, and then are you going to introduce or do you want to bring both of y'all once in, at one time? All right, and uh, Jenny Hughley. So if you don't mind, give it up. can tell they're hard up for a speaker. <laughs> Not at all. This is a privilege. Thank you so much. So for those of you, does anybody not know Jenny Hughley? She's a longtime member of Shandon, and she can go into that a little bit more, but um, she's one of my favorite people in the whole world, and it's just been a pleasure to get to know her, and especially through her experience last summer of deciding to live sin. So you joined our very first family trip to Pittsburgh, and I want you to tell folks just a little bit about what compelled you to do that and why you decided to join that team. Well, first, I've been here since 1955, if that tells you anything. Um, Anyway, um, you know, um, through the years, Claude and I had been on quite a few mission trips, especially with Philip Brown, whom I see back there, and some of the others in the room here. And uh, we always felt that it was a good thing. We enjoyed lots of them, some overseas too. But anyhow, after Claude died, I felt really inadequate to uh, go on a mission trip. 
And um, I was looking at some mission material one day, and I just clearly heard the Lord say to me, Jenny, you're going on vacation. Why can't you go on a mission trip? And so that uh, got me to thinking about it. And um, I saw David Taylor, that's roommate, and I don't have a way to get. The Lord is pushing me to go to Pittsburgh, but I don't have a roommate, and I don't have a way to get there. And he said, well, let me work on it. So anyway, the next thing I knew, it was July, and it was before daylight in the morning, and these three young ladies were picking me up in the car, and we were on our way to Pittsburgh. And I'm thinking, gee, what have I gotten myself into? (laughs) I love it. But talk a little bit about, you had mentioned before when we talked about how, what a blessing that was and how that worked out were those ladies... Well, these three ladies were all half my age, and um, but anyhow, they were so supportive, I can't tell you how much. Well, we went to Pittsburgh, and our purpose was to help two church plants there, and um, we were to put on two carnivals, that's right, two carnivals on Sunday. We left on Wednesday, we were to do this on Sunday. And our purpose was to get ready for the carnivals and then, you know, do it and back them up and come home on Monday. So it was short. But anyhow, when we got to Pittsburgh, we hit the ground running. Actually, there were 36 of us all together. Uh, I think 16 of those were children and the rest were uh, children and young uh, and teenagers. The rest of us were adults and parents. But anyway, the first thing we had to do was put the word out that we were having this carnival at these two churches. And so we hit the ground running on Thursday morning in the neighborhood. Um, Turned out they were having a heat wave, a record heat wave in Pittsburgh that week. And so we sweated a lot. But anyhow, we ended up uh, canvassing the neighborhoods, dropping invitations in mailboxes, trying to meet people on the streets and invite them to come to the carnivals. Um, There were two church plants there that we helped. One was downtown. It was in a former Presbyterian church. Uh, overlooked the skyscrapers of Pittsburgh. Uh, The other one was out in an upscale neighborhood, and it was a former Christian church that had outgrown its space, and they had moved to a better location, and so we had that church to help. So this thing about the, the, um, you know, I I originally thought that, um, you know, probably these parents, some of these kids are four, and young, oh no, I think four was the youngest. Some of them are very small. But um, anyhow, I thought, you know, the parents are probably going to take turns at the motel letting them swim in the pool. But that didn't happen. When we loaded up on Thursday morning to go to the neighborhood's canvassing, they all piled in the cars. And it was just so inspiring to see these little kids running up to the doors, knocking on doors, and putting invitations in mailboxes. Uh, everybody worked hard. It was um, it was, a, it was a busy week, to say the least. I want to talk about that for just a minute. Katie Harmon was going to join us tonight, and the point, of, the theme of this little segment was you're never too young, which was four years old, Katie's youngest son that went, or too old to live on mission. But Katie did submit something that I want to read just a segment for. Um, their family got hit with the flu this week, so pray for them um, that they'll get there. But... Um, she just she was going to speak from the perspective of a mother taking your children on a mission. Um, she says, Mike and I both became educators so that we could spend the summer raising our kids on mission. 
This has always been a dream of ours, and when the chance came, we immediately jumped at the idea of going to Pittsburgh. We wanted our kids to see what living scent looked like in person. They were excited and full of anticipation the whole way up. They asked questions about who would be there, what we'd be doing, and we told them, she said, we shared with them that we are called to serve others, as it says in 1 Peter 4.10, just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the grace of God. And she talks about her boys, just as young as they were, they were very uncomfortable at first about canvassing and didn't know, and she said that didn't last long at all, and then they were competing to see who could knock on the door first. And she talks about the, um, the actual events on Sunday and that they saw people that they had met in the community and, and how they came to that event. And just um, she said that we've talked about it as a family almost every day since then. And that's really just God has used that to show them that, um, that they can live on mission and that he cares for them and he wants them to share the gospel with others. So I thought that was really special. Um, my last question for you, just what would you say to others who might be thinking about going on mission or might be making excuses, maybe, as to why they can't? Well, let me just say this first. Actually, the carnivals were a real success. We had the 36 people. We, we manned the booths while the church members were able to go around and make friends with the church, with the um, prospects for the church and I think we probably had two or three hundred people to come to the events and I'm sure a lot of people were um, moved by the occasion and um, it was especially we had put up one the rain came down late <laughs> just about time it was be over we had to pack it all up and move to another church an inflatable and a big dump tub thing uh, all the children's games and um, all the food booths like hot dogs and uh, popcorn and all those things so we took it all down moved to the other and put it up again and went to church and <laughs> took it out had the carnival and took it all down again so it was quite an occasion but with all those people working together I never heard any of the kids whining or fussing about the hot weather or the work they had to do but um, going back to going I I was truly moved by the deep spirituality of these parents and the kids. Um, we hear all kinds of bad news, even here in Columbia, bad things are happening. But when I watched these young parents and the teenagers and saw their deep spirituality and their um, confidence and their diligence to work, it really moved me. And whereas I sometimes hear people say, you know, the world's going to the dogs. I firmly believe that God's still in control, and I think he's got a lot of good things ahead of us with the kind of young people and, and parents that we're raising in this church. That's and good. That was the other Thank you. Well, that was, that was it. <laughs> well, Thank you, Ms. I'll just say this. It was a wonderful experience, and I encourage any of you to go who will. You're never too young or too old to be able to uh, help with the Lord's work, and um, I will just say this: I'm really blessed to have been a part, a small part of it. Awesome! Thank you so much. So, Miss Jenny is a, an example of leveraging who you are for the sake of the gospel. Next up, I've got um, Jim and Susan Hogan, 
who are joining us. And their theme is leveraging what you've been given. <laughs> and what we talked about um, earlier was that um, we all have plans, but God sometimes has a bigger plan and how that plays out. And so um, just briefly as an introduction, you guys joined a Cuba team last October. And just speak briefly as to why you decided to join that team. Well, uh, let me first say we were contacted by Dennis Banks and somebody had given $3,000 for us to go on a mission trip. Um, if you're here tonight, thank you. Uh, I don't, still don't know. I wrote you a note. I hope you got it. Um, but that enabled us to go. And there are probably some folks here that are sitting here that could do the same thing for someone else. And let me encourage you to do that if you can. Um, but we went with one purpose, basically, as Dennis Banks trained us to go to Cuba. We went with the intent of loving on that church and just being available to help them however they needed, whatever they wanted. Um, Cuba's alive with the gospel, despite the communist intent of stamping out the church. Um, and so we just went down there to love on the church. Okay. And Susan, tell us about what happened on that trip that kind of changed your plans. So that was our plan, to go down and help with the local church. And we got there on a Tuesday, and the first thing that happened was all of our luggage was left, left in Miami. Not just part of our luggage, but the plane came totally empty. <laughs> there was no luggage on there. And so, um, but we made it through. Uh, Tuesday night, we got to the church and met the wonderful people uh, of Cuba, the local church, the pastor, and uh, with the lady pastor and her husband and, and the people there. And the next day we went out, we rode on a bus, and they led us, groups of us out at different locations in the area. And uh, we had interpreters with us. And so Wednesday just went great. We got to lead several people to the Lord. So that was, um, that was all as planned. Well, on Thursday we went out, and we just um, were walking just a few blocks from the church. And um, I noticed my stomach was feeling a little bit strange. And we got out, and we're visiting with people. I don't know if the picture's up there. You see at the top right-hand corner, we were visiting with a, a couple. And I kept noticing my stomach was rumbling around. And I'll spare you all all the details on that. But we got back. I told Jim, I said, I think I need to, to get back to the church. So we got back. He went back out that afternoon, and I thought I would get better. Well, all of a sudden, that night, it, just, it was like a mat truck hit me. We ended, I ended up with a low-grade fever, but just, um, I don't even, I won't even get into the details again how bad it was. We ended up at a clinic in Placetus where we were. My blood pressure went way up, and that's what caused them to send us to uh, Santa Clara, which was about 45 minutes or so away, and that's the story in and of itself, how we got on this, quote, ambulance and rode this bumpy road, and we were in the middle of nowhere, and it was dark. Nobody, we were going to have interpreters go with us, but they weren't, there was no room because there were other people in this ambulance with us. So we get to, the, to Santa Clara, to the hospital there, and there was a young woman that was waiting on us. She was a pastor's wife in Santa Clara, and she had been at live school uh, being trained that afternoon, and we recognized her because she had blonde hair, so she looked different from, you know, some of the other Cuban people, and she had been called and said, there is an American couple, the wife is sick, 
uh, would you please meet them there? She didn't speak a word of English, but y'all, she came every day and ministered to us. She would sing over me, lay her hands on me, sing over me, and I would recognize the tune Amazing Grace or How Great Thou Art, and she was singing it in Spanish, and it was just amazing. And we began to realize at first we thought, Lord, we've just been lifted up out from the rest of our group. You know, what is going on here? And we began to see that God was going to use what the enemy meant for evil. Like Joseph said, God was going to use it for good. And it was just amazing to see what God did. How long did you spend in the hospital? Five days out of the eight that we were there. Yeah. So Thursday through Monday. So um, so Jim, just repeating what Susan said, God's mission for y'all obviously was in the hospital and just speak briefly about the connections you were able to make and how he affirmed that that was his plan for the two of you. Well, you know, it's amazing how God uses us wherever we are. Um, <clears throat> about two days into our stay at the hospital, um, and, and let me say something about the Cuban people. They are the sweetest, kindest people. They love Americans. They really do. If they find out you're from America and you're standing on their doorstep, their door is wide open. You're invited into their homes. Um, they're gracious. They would give you anything they have. Um, so we're at the hospital, and it's been a pretty challenging time. And let me just tell you one small detail about going to Cuba. When you use the bathroom, you cannot put your toilet paper in the toilet. You have to put it in a bag and put it in a garbage can. He's going to tell more details. Yeah. Me. Let, me, <laughs> let, let me tell you, we filled, up, we filled up trash cans pretty quickly in our room. It was an amazing thing. But the people were just so kind. We, we, uh, we came to a place where there was kind of, we kind of got over the hump as far as Susan beginning to feel better, and one day I was standing at the doorway of, of our hospital room. And uh, in Cuba, all everybody that's employed, obviously, is employed by the, by the state, by the, the nation of Cuba, and they all wear distinctive-looking clothing, uniforms. And I noticed a young man walking toward me, and... Yeah, that's, that's Hector in the middle of the top up there. You can see he's got on his green slacks and his light green shirt. Um, and so I just spoke, and he went into an office diagonally across the, the hallway from Susan's room and sat down and uh, looked out of his office after a minute and said, please come in, I'd like to talk to you. So I thought, okay, great. So I go in and sit down. First thing he says is, why are you here? Are you here on vacation? And I smiled and said, no, <laughs> it's not vacation. We had been trained to say we're here for a, a church meeting, a church convention, and that's why we're here. He immediately got up, walked over, and shut the door to his office. And I thought, oh, God, Susan's going to be in hospital, and I'm going to be in jail. You know? Um, but he came back and sat down and looked, leaned across his desk, and he said to me, my dad is a Cuban pastor. I've been a Christian for years, but my faith has gotten off track for these last pretty good period of time. And I was praying this morning and asked God to send someone to talk to me. And here you are. Um, and from that from that meeting, uh, God did some amazing things. Um, 
Hector is married, has a two-year-old son named Juan, uh, and would love to go to, to Canada. Cuba has a relationship with Canada, and, and he can get a visa there. So we're in the process of trying to help Hector get relocated. He looked at me and said, I just want my son to have more opportunities in life than I have, I've had. He told me in the Cuban military, as he was serving, they came to him one day and said, Hector, you're going to have to make a decision. You're either going to serve Fidel or you're going to serve Jesus. And he said, I'm going to serve Jesus. And he was out of the military in a matter of a week. And uh, so we take a lot for granted. And just, Susan, I know you wanted to talk about just the connections that you've made, and y'all been able to keep those up yes, since the yes. trip and how God has used that. Well, so we got to know Hector really well during those just those five days. Uh, he would be in and out of our room. And we told you about Yaline, the lady, the blonde-headed lady that came every day. Well, her husband, again, was a pastor there. And so she and Hector met. And so we went in, I went in on a Thursday night on Sunday, um, Hector had, was not working that day, and Yaline was um, at church, and we were, I was supposed to go back, that, get out of the hospital that day, and they decided to keep me till Monday. So um, Yaline and her husband, Williams, came that night to visit, and they said, we wanted you to know we prayed for you at our church this morning. And that was where some of Dennis and some of our team members were speaking at that church that morning. We prayed for you, and we prayed for Hector. And so about that time, the phone rang, and it was Hector, and he found out that we were still there. So Yaline answered the phone, spoke with him in Spanish, and we were able to connect her husband with, he was there in the room, with um, Hector. And then when we got back, we left that next Tuesday to come back to the United States. The next Sunday, we heard from both of them, and he and his wife and little boy had gone to their church that morning. So we know there were a lot of things that happened, a lot of people we got to pray for. But to see God bring that full circle, it was just so exciting that, that Jim was really able to minister to Hector, and then that Hector was able to connect, get connected with a local church there. And that all happened in our room. Yeah. So, you know... <laughs> Upset stomach for the Lord. Today. Right. <laughs> awesome. So, right. So that's just another example of it, using what you've been given for the sake of the gospel and just a true example of that. So thank you all for sharing. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, it's my turn to do it. You do a great job. And if you don't mind, hand that to those college folks when they come up. So we've got three of our college students to come up, and uh, I'm going to do a, a, a few uh, um questions to them. And so if you guys could have a seat here and uh, why don't you, as soon as you sit down, just kind of go through, tell your name, uh, what year you are in college and uh, what mission trip uh, you went on. Sure. Hello everyone. My name is Corey Johnson. I'm a junior at USC and I attended the Kenya spring break trip last year. Um, I'm Kaylee Wooten, and I'm a sophomore, and I just transferred from USC to OC Tech, if anybody knows where that's at. Um, I also went on the Nairobi, Kenya trip over spring break last year. 
And I'm uh, Bradley Fayanski. Um, I'm a senior um, at South Carolina, and I also went on the spring break trip, and then I also went on a trip over the summer back to Nairobi, Kenya. So. Okay, so like AP Nairobi. Um, <laughs> that's right, yeah. Um, if you uh, are not aware, that's an educational term that means advanced placement or honors mission trip member. So uh, why don't um, you guys, uh, what, for these questions, since there's three of you and we want to be able to have enough time to get to the next group, uh, maybe when I ask the question, the, the easiest thing is like maybe one person answer unless you just really need to be a second answer. So I'd like for one of y'all to share um, you know, what made you decide to go on the mission trip? Uh, it were, with any of you guys, was there something that you were processing as a college student that made you think, I'm going to go? Yeah, so I'll answer that question. So I went to East Asia the summer before um, that spring break trip and just really enjoyed that trip. That trip was a huge blessing to me and really like changed my outlook on life in general. And so I was thinking that I wanted to go on another trip, and I was thinking that since I'm in college now and I'm not going to be in college forever, that I should use my spring break um, to go on a trip since I'm not always going to have this set up spring break. So I decided I wanted to go on a trip, and, and Nairobi, Kenya just um, was, was the best trip for me. So I just decided to sign up for that trip. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but, I mean, it was awesome when I, when I got to go, and I've obviously gone back, and I'm going back again, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is awesome. And so when we go on these trips, we always want gospel to be an element. Um, and I think uh, you had a, a, a powerful experience in that regard. Could you share like what, what was different in your walk with Christ in regards to the gospel because of your mission trip to Nairobi? Um, so when I went to Nairobi, um, me and another girl that were on the trip, we were able to go um, into the hostels, which were the dorms of the college students that we were ministering to there in Nairobi. And um, we were able to share the gospel with her, and she ended up um, accepting the Lord and coming to Christ that day in her dorm. And after that experience, it really opened my eyes to, this is, I'm not going to say easy, but it's easy. Like, we build it up to be, like, this difficult thing in our head, and that oftentimes it's like a block, like a mental block, and that could keep you from sharing the gospel. And so being able to so freely just share it with her and watch it, change her life right there in her dorm coming home it was so much easier um to share the gospel and to have that mindset because there was no longer that mental block and it was just able to I guess be more vulnerable with people having already had that experience so was that your first time to share the gospel that was my first time to share the gospel and so also your first time to lead someone to Christ yes well that's pretty good uh, percentages there um (laughs) So uh, that's great. So uh, what about you guys? Like how, how did, you know, we, when we say leveraging our, our life or who we are and what we've been given for the sake of the gospel, wherever we are, wherever God takes us. So the, the, the linchpin in there is gospel. You know, it's, it's everything. So, um, and I know that that's a big passion of yours, a big passion of yours. Um, one, did you get to share the gospel? Did anyone come to faith? Um, and then what did God teach you about the importance of his gospel? Um, so to answer, did we get to share the gospel? Yes, fortunately. I mean, you'd hope so, just being on a mission trip. Um, we were able to walk on to several different campuses over the course of the week and get in some really good conversations there. Um, the culture is so different in Kenya um, in the way that when you start talking to someone, it is not strange to be in a very deep spiritual conversation with them very quickly. Um, while that would be very strange in America, just because people tend to be so much more shelled up here. So that was really a blessing because that opened up doors to a lot of good conversations. Um, and then 
I'm trying to remember the, the, the other part of your question. It's just uh, how, did, how did your experience on the trip, uh, how did God broaden your view um, or your, your heart or your commitment to the gospel? Absolutely. Um, well, seeing that different culture, I think, was really impactful for me. Um, in particular, there was one Kenyan student who, who was a Christian that we got to go, go around a campus and have conversations with um, other students trying to evangelize with. Um, but this Kenyan student's name was Kevin, and he was an unbelievably talented evangelist. Um, he just presented the gospel to these students that we talked to in such an unreal way. Um, he, he literally ha- had his own, like, almost like parables that he had thought of himself that he would share with these students, and it was just beautiful. Um, so just getting to see um, his passion for the gospel in such a different culture where there is not as much of a Christian presence, um, that was really encouraging for me. And that really, I think, motivated me and helped grow my mindset in terms of how I go about sharing the gospel. So that was huge. It's good. Um, for those of you who are used to leaving at 630, we want you to know it's okay if you need to leave. We did uh, want you to know we had kind of advertised we'll, we'll be around a little bit later, but there's no problem if you need to leave. But we're going to keep going with the stories. We're going to close this part out with um, this this uh, interview. I'd, Bradley, I would love to hear from you um, just sharing with these folks because I think uh, – we don't always know what's happening in the college ministry, right? And we know that you, you take a lot of trips. There's a lot of things going. Um, Bradley, I, I, I'm surprising him a little bit, but like I know that right now you're kind of wrestling with call. So can you share like what happened? Um, I know we have a missional college ministry, but you've mentioned all these trips. How, that's brought you to a certain place right now as a college senior, um, a successful business major trying to think of your next step. How has your experience with Shannon in college ministry, your exposure to the gospel, your exposure to mission, caused you to be in a place of wrestling right now? So yeah, um, I've definitely grown so much as a Christian in college, um, just through Shannon College and through being involved with that. And part of that is going on mission trips. I've, I'm kind of known as someone that goes on every mission trip possible. So I've been to East Asia, I've been to Pittsburgh, I've been to Nairobi twice, and I'm going back to Nairobi um, March 5th. Um, so... <laughs> That's a lot. Um, You've been more than me. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's just what what I've loved to do. And a lot of that is, one, through being able to share the gospel and being able to get these experiences in other cultures and just to show people what Jesus has done for me. Even if we didn't have a similar life, it's still very obvious that, that we're still humans and we still are sinners and we still are in need of Jesus. So that's been one thing. And then also spending time with with other college students on these trips. It's just a great way to, to grow closer in Christ and just have people that you can talk about Jesus with um, in a lot closer way in a short amount of time. And so throughout all that and through all that passion, I really um, developed a passion for missions. And I always have kind of thought about it and kind of explored what, what that would mean in my life. And so like it's really kind of led me to a place where like I've gotten to be an intern now for the missions department with David. And that's like been a big deal and that's been awesome. And so that's really like continued to grow my faith in ways that I could have never seen um, if I had not, one, been a part of Shannon College and two, just taking the step of faith to sign up um, to go to East Asia, even when I didn't exactly know what was going to happen, just just knowing that that God has called me to share the gospel. And so if I do that, then then he will take me wherever um, he needs to. Awesome. Well, if you're proud of these guys for living out their faith, let's give it up for them. And I'm going to invite Cal and Angela Harrison up. Uh, so this is our last group. Um, and uh, this is a peculiar uh, uh, mission trip. And... Uh, I'm very excited about what happened, what transpired, and how God used their faithfulness and call to his mission. So um, 
first of all, uh, Jenny and I got to know Angela because they were roomies in Pittsburgh. Um, but huh? And car buddies, that's right. Um, but I, I, I get this call a few months ago saying, hey, we're going on a, a or no, I, you maybe first talked to me in the hallway. It's kind of hard to remember, um, just so you know, ministers never remember what happens in the hallway um, on a Sunday morning. So, uh, but, but um, the idea comes up, hey, we're going on this family vacation to Puerto Rico. Uh, what can, um, you know, what can we do to connect there? So, uh, there's a lot of things that happen, but Cal, why don't you take that whole thought to the finish line? Because I remember sure. the conversation, yeah. and you like came up with your concrete action plans, and I'm gonna, I'm, I've already talked to this church, I'm gonna talk to this church. So, don't go all the way to the finish line or the punchline. But what, what you went to Puerto Rico with what plan, and why did you decide to leverage your family vacation? wherever you are for the yeah, gospel. And, and uh, I really, <clears throat> I have to tell this story because this, this story will be remembered in our family for years to come. Uh, we had planned this vacation, um, made a surprise to both of our daughters on Christmas Day, and, uh, and then three days later, the earthquake started in Puerto Rico. And I, I don't know if you followed it, but they've had over 2,000 earthquakes of 3.0 magnitude or, or worse, and there, there was a really <clears throat> bad one on uh, January the 7th, the 6.4, that really knocked the power out. And um, there are literally still today thousands of people uh, living in tents. They're afraid to go back to their homes uh, and, um, uh, you know, just really living like refugees. And um, a couple of days after the big quake, Angela comes to me. And she's got this serious look on her face. And she said, you know, when we're in Puerto Rico, we ought to try and volunteer and, and you know, help the folks. And, and I had been planning this thing for, you know, about six weeks. And, and I just suddenly saw the whole itinerary going up in smoke. And, and, I, and I came out with all of these reasons not to do anything. Uh, you know, like, we don't even know if we can get down there. Uh, we, we don't know who to contact. Um, you know, the best thing I've always heard, the best thing is we could just, should just continue our vacation, spend our money. And, so God uh, must have done a work in your heart. Cause that's yeah. not the cow that I heard on the phone when he called no, me. <laughs> no, no. And, and so she, she, uh, it went over like a lead balloon with her. I'm just going to say that, but she left me alone. She actually, that's, I think was part of her strategy because she left me alone for a few days. And I was following, you know, checking every day. There was another earthquake that day, more damage. And, um, yeah, it didn't take long that, uh, yeah, I felt God talking in my heart. And, and I came back to her and said, you know, maybe there is something we could do. And she was like, you think? <laughs> you know? And, um, and she said, well, why don't you call and, you know, find out what we, what, what, what we can do. And, I, and I'd read, actually, that another church in New Jersey was sending earthquake supplies, uh, relief supplies. So, um, actually, she found uh, a church that's in the Southern Baptist Convention. It's Glenview Baptist. It's like the, the Shandon of Ponce. It's very, we went there. It's a very nice uh, uh, church. And um, I talked to a woman at their crisis center, and I uh, talked to a pastor, Martinette. 
is. And he explained that, yes, uh, actually a lot of the stores are still closed. A lot of the shelves are empty. You know, um, we're going out to the refugee camps uh, every day. And, um, you know, we need things like over-the-counter medicine and, um, you know, hand sanitizer, un- clean underwear. Uh, and um, uh, so we, we started with that. And then she contacted you, David. And uh, David got me in touch with uh, Dwayne Reed. Who, and we had no idea that there's actually this fairly large contingent of people from Shandon who have been giving a lot of time and have been down to, to um, Ponce for many times helping our uh, sister church, uh, Rio Chiquito uh, Baptist Church. And so um, Dwayne put me in touch with uh, Pastor Adriel Bermudez. And You're doing great with your Spanish, except for Martinez. That is a, uh, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's Martinez. Uh, and... Uh, it was, yeah, you're right, and um, uh, and so uh, yeah, and so we put together a plan. I think you said, Cal, come to me with a plan, and uh, so we pretty quickly um, uh, we wanted. We were already going to our Sunday school class. We actually went to the mixed medley class and her mom's senior adults class and asked uh, for donations. Uh, we ended up getting. Uh, I don't know if there's a picture. That's us at the church. Uh, but we ended up getting a 50-pound box of uh, those supplies, um, and uh, we ended up packing it and adding it to our check luggage uh, on the airplane and, and lugging it through um, Puerto Rico until we got down there. And uh, David actually set up a, um, a place uh, at Shandon where people could donate, and so we put that out on social media. The church put it out on its uh, social media properties, and um, uh, we sent it to friends. I sent it out to coworkers. Our older daughter, Taylor, had her own social connection. So we had people sending us stuff. And I'm doing all the talking here. But one of the best ideas that kind of innovative ideas came from her was uh, for people who couldn't bring items to church, to our Sunday school class, uh, let's just give them an Amazon wish list. And so a bunch of people actually, she created a list of things that were needed, and a bunch of people went on and actually, and we put the address in, and it went directly to Glenview Baptist Church. And um, uh, so we, we ended up arranging uh, to, to meet with uh, Pastor Bermudez and his wife and uh, the folks who were, who were there. It was, actually, it was on a Friday uh, when, when we got there, and I'll, I'll never forget once I got introduced to him, and uh, talked to him, you know, and I said, we don't want to take up too, too much of your time. We know it's a Friday. And he says, he says, we would be honored to have you. And it was just, we, they welcomed us with open arms. We were able to bring uh, some, of, um, uh, some cash uh, that was uh, given through gift cards and cash to Angela at the last minute. Uh, we were able to give that to him that night. But uh, after we got back, we found out actually uh, uh, overall, uh, we raised uh, $1,756. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, for, for the and church. so uh, let them know um, there's a couple things that they don't know about Pastor Adriel. Tell about what was going on at his church because of the earthquakes. And some of this has been deeply felt by Dwayne, but... Um, they had a lot of people staying in their church, sleeping there. Um, they've had air mattresses set up and are trying to create two different rooms um, for the women and the men. Um, he said, I think the first weekend they had 90 people, 95 people. Um, 
some of those were church members and a lot weren't. And he said, but um, a lot didn't stay for Sunday um, for his services, but they are coming back. So it's a way to outreach. They were feeding people. Uh, Sin Relief is down there helping them cook food. And, and um, Sin Relief is who? Um, the organization that sends relief. Through, From the North right? American Mission Board. Right. Thank you. Yep. Yes, we worked with them in Pittsburgh, which was a lot of yep. fun. But um, they were down there send, you know, cooking food and everything. What really struck me the most is they wanted to feed us, and they wanted to give us a place to stay, even though they knew we were there on vacation and you know, everything. Their heart was to help us when we really wanted to help them. Yeah, that's great. We're going to kind of close with one final thought. Why was it worth it to you to choose to let this family vacation be for the sake of the gospel. Wow. Um, and we I th- need, I like, the, the shorter version. version. Well, yep. it's just important for, I think, my children to see, I mean, even though I have a 32-year-old, especially for the 12-year-old, to see what goes on outside of our little area. We are so sheltered where we live and so blessed. And they have no clue unless you take them and show them you know, and Rosalie has mission trips here and things like that, but this was a totally different experience. And she came home wanting to learn Spanish and wants to go back. So that was just important for us. And she can go back with us this year. Yeah. <laughs> She's just 12, so give her a minute. Um, then one of y'all can go with her. That's true. Yes, definitely. It's a, it's a family goal to go back. And um, But I think it's important... Even if you can't go somewhere or be a big help, we couldn't be that big of a help. We didn't speak Spanish. We didn't want to be in the way. But just to show that God loves us all and Amen. Jesus is love. Cal, why was it sure. worth it to you? Yeah, well, uh, what uh, made it worth it to me uh, was actually being there in the church and seeing kind of what he was up against. Pastor Bermudez is... Uh, he's the pastor, he's the construction manager, he's the, you know, finance thing. I mean, he is all of, uh, wears all of these hats and has all of this stuff going. And um, so it was, it was just a real pleasure. And and I could tell because, I mean, he really took time. He actually, when he found out he he was here, he was like, stay there, I'll come meet you and get you and drove us, you know, so we wouldn't get lost. And um, uh, I, I I could tell that that it meant a lot just to know that people at Shandon and elsewhere uh, care about what they're doing. So, I mean, it was just that bringing that good word to him. And, uh, you know, the, the thing that really was, was real special, I think, for all of us was at the end, you know, we joked around a, a good bit, and, uh, and then he prayed for us in Spanish and then translated in English. And when we drove back, because we were on the north end of the island in a resort, and, uh, you know, as we drove back, it, it really made us feel like we had done some good. And, and I think all of us, our daughters and all four of us, we, we feel like that that was really the highlight yeah. of, of our vacation. That's awesome. I also want you to feel very proud of our church, okay? I can't talk about Puerto Rico without talking about Dwayne Reed, okay? So after Hurricane Maria, and this is a few years before the earthquakes, um, we had a team that responded. Dwayne was instrumental in seeing us make some progress there. Um, when we went there, they ran into this guy named Adriel Bermudez. So who would have thought that because Dwayne locked hearts with Adriel, that we would be 
building roofs for a year in the wake of Hurricane Maria. Who knew that later on our church would have the resources to outfit Rio Chiquito Baptist to host mission teams so that other churches could help in the wake of Hurricane Maria? Who knew that in this past year that there would be earthquakes and Adriel would need to have his, his place outfitted to house people so that he could pastor his community better. And who knew that they would choose to leverage their life when they went. It's awesome how God is working. Um, and I'm so excited and, and I hope that you are blessed to know how God's at work in some ways that maybe you wouldn't have seen otherwise. Thank you so much for coming. Can I say one last yeah. Thing? Um, y'all just need to know the church is behind you. Um, like never before, I feel like the church is really wants us to live sent, and they will stand behind you and help you, even if you think it's a crazy idea. Just talk to somebody about it and, and take that bold step. Amen. <laughs> You're dismissed.